Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damn big that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the gripping imprint of boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, 
and you are listening to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on the Fringe FM. Today's date, June 15th, 2020, maybe the 16th for some of you, depending on where you're listening, and the Secret Teachings is back new tonight. This, I think, has been the longest or the second longest amount of time that I've been off air consistently since I started almost 11 years ago. And it's been hard on me because I have so much that I want to talk about. And we have a lot of guests that we're lining up to talk with. Probably Andrew Kaufman, Dr. Andrew Kaufman at the end of the month. We also have Don Lester, David Parker, authors of What Really Makes You Ill, coming back on the show. I mean, we've got a lot going on. And in the middle of all of this, we had a huge week with some big guests. Came back last week, or really the week before last. Time is all over the place for me. Had a couple of shows, a listener request show. And then I was in the process of moving, as most of you know. So in the process of moving really didn't have the ability to do a show, but now I've gotten everything set back up. It took about a week. You know, I've had some issues with, uh, you know, utilities, internet. The place that I'm renting has everything included except internet and electric, so those are the only two utilities I've had to deal with. Everything else, though, has been relatively positive. For the first time ever, I've got a a space just for radio. And this is the first time I've sat down and done anything except check the microphone. So as long as the microphone was hot and it's working, I'm here tonight. So I don't know if uh, this sounds good. To me, it sounds very clear, maybe even clearer than before. But I tried to go back and I, I did reset everything. I reset the board. I reset all the wiring in the process of moving I think it sounds really good. I, I think it even maybe sounds a little bit better for the setup that we do have. But I'm, I'm actually, I call it a studio, but where I'm living now, this apartment, it's an old farmhouse in the country here in New York. I'm still in New York. I'm in a place called Bloomfield, New York. Some I know some listeners look that up. It's a very rural area. I get Probably next to no cell phone coverage here. I say probably because I can get a call and I can talk to somebody, but it it it, it comes in and out, and I don't know if I'm you know if I'm coming through clearly the whole time. So I think my cell phone signal is very weak, and uh, that's a positive thing to me because that means I'm not being bombarded with cellular data. 24 hours a day. Be nice just not even to have internet, but I have to have it for the show. And uh, anyway, here at this this farmhouse out here in Bloomfield, New York, where I'm living now, hopefully I'll live here for a long time. It's a great place so far. And there's this closet. One of the main reasons I wanted this place, except, you know, with the exception that it's out in the country, but there's this big closet that I could have, pro- I could have put a bed in here and slept in here. It's huge. And I've just made this the studio. And behind me is, uh, well, the few things I have in storage and my clothes. There isn't much. And then everything else is just pushed back in this corner. I've shared some pictures, uh, another one even earlier today, 
of the new studio and uh, how we do things here on The Secret Teachings, a little behind the scenes of the studio and what it's like to prepare for a show where we're broadcasting from. I'm going to have a small spot here somewhere. I'm looking for it here off to the right of my my table where I'm going to put up the camera so that we can do uh, maybe more shows with Kev Baker and uh, if we have any other video interviews. I've got the camera situation going. So I don't know. There's a lot of stuff I want to share with you. For those of you who have never listened to this show, this might maybe sound a little bit boring. Who is this guy? Why is he talking about his new apartment? But for those of you who have listened a long time, you've been very courteous and very patient waiting for me to get moved, get settled in. Everything is 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 well, I would say. I really have nothing negative to report. Everything has been very positive, at least in terms of moving and getting a new studio set up. So that's great. And, and, and living out here, especially not having internet for, well, it's been over over a week now, or about a week now, and, and having very little cell phone signal, I can't really check the internet either. So I really don't know. I really didn't know until this weekend what was going on in the world. I had just, I got a little tiny notebook here, and I started just taking notes when I would get an idea or I would talk to somebody. And in taking these notes, I mean, I, just, just from thoughts, I came up with a couple of different shows. And I haven't listened to a lot of radio either, but I know, obviously, the big story is, you know, racial divide. COVID is, of course, still a big story. It's still trending. They're saying a second wave is coming back. No, nobody out here in the country, by the way, nobody out here is wearing a mask. Nobody out here, everybody out here shaking hands. I mean, this... This is where I personally belong. I don't know about a lot of you. We have a lot of listeners that live out in the country. I mean, yeah, th- this is the place to be. You know, if the, the closest race riot is like at least 40 minutes from here. So you don't really have to worry about anything. I mean, for the first time ever, I feel like I do it anyway, but I feel like I really don't have to lock my door. Or at least when I come inside the apartment, I don't have to lock it immediately at 1 p.m. on a weekday. Do you know what I mean? I don't I don't feel like I'm going to be mugged, shot, stabbed, you know, I'm not going to be burglarized at any time. <laughs> Living in the city, at least the places I've lived and and having had people attempt to break into my place or cl- one guy climbed my balcony one time tried to break in the balcony door on the second floor in broad well, it wasn't broad daylight, but essentially broad daylight too, right in the parking lot just hops up on his car, tries to break in. I've had a lot of weird stuff happen. I've had my internet cables cut before I've gone on radio shows, other radio shows. I think I've shared some of those stories before, but I just feel safer out here. Maybe I'm delusional, but I I know that I am safer away from the cities, and that's not something that I I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Uh, I didn't talk much about it, but like a block from where I was living in Rochester, I mean, there were auto shops and uh, other businesses that had their windows broken they were looted you know the very the things that bring the community together that get justice for the injustice what well, well, let, let's just for for a, for a second and tonight 
so you have an idea, we're, we're going to talk a little Malthusian theory tonight. But before we get to that, I think there's a, a healthy segue that we can, we can cultivate. And, and you think of what's going on, it's really, really disturbing that you have a guy in, in George Floyd. I mean, I, personally, I don't care about pornography. It doesn't bother me one way or another. But you got a guy like George Floyd. This guy's like in porn. He had uh, enough fentanyl in his body to kill a horse, according to some reports I've read. I mean, the guy had a heart attack, according to the original coroner. And then they get, they got the uh, the classic the classic uh, mob-like doctor to do the other autopsies. Michael Baden, who did, you know, Michael Brown, Jeffrey Epstein, JFK, and a bunch of other people. So they get him, and he's like, no, no, he didn't die of a heart attack. He'd... I, I, I can't even pay attention to it anymore. But he's got the fentanyl. This guy's like a porn actor. He's He knew the cop. They worked together. You know, that that's stuff that, you know, it's kind of not really mainstream, but it's sort of mainstream. But at the same time, it's like weird Reddit QAnon stuff. And I, I don't like when the anonymous posts, this is my beef. I don't like when the anonymous posts kind of get it right because then I, I don't like being associated with that crap. I don't like Q. I don't like QAnon. I think it's a joke. I think it's a psyop. I think it's AI in part, and I think it's a bunch of hacks on the internet trying to get attention. That's me. That's my view. I've done shows on it before. If you want to look further into why I think that, there's a reason. It's not just, you know, personal bias and and belief. Like, I don't like it because I don't like it. I've got a reason why I don't like it. I just don't like it. But there's a lot of stuff. It's like all of this information is just circulating all over the place. And it's obviously really, really hard to determine what is accurate, what is inaccurate, what is a mix of both. So I feel pretty cool, calm, and collected that I've not been subjected to this stuff for at least a week, at least a week. But I've paid attention here or there to what's going on. And what I've seen is that this George Floyd guy, this guy's become like, maybe it's inappropriate to say this, this guy's become like a, a a Martin Luther King. But but when I say that, it's not to glorify the guy. It's to ask like WTF, you know, to use what the, 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 the acronym that the cool kids are using. What, what, what the hell are you talking about? These people are idolizing this guy like he was an upstanding member of society. The guy was in porn. He was on drugs. He was running a counterfeit operation. I don't think this guy was a very good guy, you know, but he's black. So if he's black, then he has to be good. And I'm white, so it must be racist that I'm saying that. You know, it's it's weird. Like, I grew up, I always play basketball. So, yeah, there's a stereotype there. Black guys play basketball. Well, you know what? When I play basketball, yeah, most of the people I played with were black. I never thought twice about it. The only time I ever thought about it was when someone someone in my family kind of brought it up like, oh, you're playing with those black kids. Well, they're just, I'm just playing basketball. They're not black kids. I mean, they are, I guess, but I'm not concerned about that. And then I got older. I go to film school in Orlando and I I became, some of you might remember my uh, my friend that we used to do radio together. His name was Aaron. Um, he was a DJ in Orlando. 
semi-famous DJ. And uh, I used to go to like strip clubs with him when he would DJ. And uh, we would go, I mean, and then also I had a roommate that would have rappers over. Like I had a friend who did stuff for 2 Chains. Before he was 2 Chains, he was Titty Boy or something. (laughs) It's ridiculous names. So, I mean, I was always, always in that crowd. And it was usually, it wasn't me thinking like, what are all these black people doing here? It was more like all these black people looking at me and being like, what's this white guy doing here? You know? And then my friend DJ Wired or someone someone would say like, hey, well, that's Ryan Gable. He does the secret teachings. He's cool. And they'd be like, ah, oh, man, what's going on, Ryan Gable? How you doing, man? And then it was cool. And there wasn't any racial tension. It was just like, what's this guy doing here? You know? So I grew up in that. And then it was, was a kind of a strange feeling when someone accused me of being racist because I was white. I was really naive. I didn't know the, I didn't know the cultural revolution playbook until I read a little bit of history and then I figured it out. But I, I don't know. I'm ranting a little bit. The point is this George Floyd guy, why are we idolizing this dude? I, th- I think most of you get that. Why is this guy being idolized? See, it's kind of like with Donald Trump and that Stormy Daniels woman. Remember that? It was like a porn star that was idolized. And yet again, another wouldn't say porn star, but a, a porn glimmer, you know, drugs, counterfeiting, possibly human trafficking, and this guy's like an idol. And if you, can, if you consider the, I don't want to say the political group, it is kind of a political group, but if you consider the groups of people that are promoting and idolizing this guy, they're the same people that truly institutionally speaking are racist because they're the ones that produce and support the violent gangster rap music that was stolen from the actual black communities and became about nothing but drugs and guns and, you know, the same kind of stuff that the DEA and the Central Intelligence Agency and George Bush Sr. and others were involved in by trafficking drugs into the inner cities you had Freeway Ricky Ross, who we've had on this show a couple times, four times, I think, who was running the whole operation. And uh, I remember there's a song, a song a friend of mine made. I can't remember who said it, but a friend of mine named uh, William Sweeney. He's a uh, goes by the name Payday Monsanto, a semi-famous underground rapper. He had a song where he had a clip in it or something that said, "When you think, when you think of crack, don't think black." Think CIA. And I mean, a lot of people know the CIA is what? The Cocaine Import Agency. So you have some forms of institutional racism. And if you want to identify them, classify them as a political group, well, it's not the average liberal, but obviously the Democratic Party, most of the original Ku Klux Klan members were Democratic senators. But people just ignore that. I mean, if you're a Democrat, that's cool. You don't have to support that. But that's that's just the history of it. And I find it weird, but I also find it very, very. Well, I mean, I think it's just it fits into the narrative. Of course, these people are going to glorify scumbags like George Floyd. You can't say that he's dead. No, well, you're the one using a dead guy to deflect criticism and questioning away from your ideology. That's that's this gaslighting thing. That's what that is. So George Floyd, you you got this guy that's just idolized. And and remember when 
as the video shows, you know, he's on his he's on his face, on his stomach, and he can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Well, a lot of people have pointed out that prior to George Floyd becoming the number one news story, he, he becomes trending. A lot of people they take the masks off and they throw the masks away and they go get some signs and they paint them Black Lives Matter, and then that's what's important now. You know, I heard it on the news, so that's what I need to be concerned with now. Obviously, people are still hysterical about the mask wearing, but there's been a change in observation. But before George Floyd, it was it was concern over COVID-19. And what is COVID-19? It's a respiratory infection, as they call it. And you have trouble breathing. Well, right after COVID, right after the lockdown starts to lift and we start going through these various phases, you know, like we're a, a child growing older. We go through phase one, phase two. West Virginia, by the way, is like, has been in, I don't, they might be just completely open now. When I was there, there was nothing going on. It was like two people with a mask and that was it. I was in Morgantown. Here in New York, it's just like, they act like there's literally just people dying on the streets. And people have been so traumatized otherwise that they just react as if that's, I mean, they see that as reality, I guess. So you've got a respiratory infection, and then when all this stuff starts to supposedly fade away, now you have a movement based on, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And obviously it's kind of ironic that a lot of people that wear the masks to go to the rallies hold up signs that say, I can't breathe, not realizing the idiocracy of wearing a mask holding a sign that says, I can't breathe. But it's okay And I'm not a Trump supporter, but I find it interesting that it's okay to go rally and protest and demonstrate, even if it's peaceful, but it's not acceptable to go to a Trump rally. I mean, it's all—see, that's the thing. It's all political. If it wasn't political, I wouldn't care. If it was just people that fought with each other. But if you're going to have two political groups fighting and warring with one another, like trying to provoke some form of civil conflict, which in a way it's already kind of active— You know, I'm not supporting one group or the other, but when I see asinine things that are done or said by one group, I got to call them out. I mean, that's just, that's what I do. And yeah, that means that I can't get sponsors because I'm not a conservative radio host. And then, you know, I sit here in this studio, I've got an I Want to Believe poster. I've got Georgia Guidestones and Ankh, one of my favorite symbols. I've got a pentagram. I've got tons of stuff about witchcraft. I've got all I got aliens, I've got Bigfoot in here, Mothman, flying saucers, I've got the chakras, I've got Ouija boards, I've got all kinds of stuff. I've got ruins in here. So I'm into all that, but I usually don't get along with people that are into it because they're they're into it in a way that's just really biased. I I can't get along with that. That's why I can't get along with people that are political, because I don't I don't subscribe to it. And they don't understand like what well, well if you don't believe every UFO story, how can you be interested in ufology? Because I'm an actual researcher. I'm not just uh, fly by night. I believe it because it's what I want to believe. I mean, like the poster says, I want to believe, but I don't have to believe. We'll base it on the information that we have. So with everything that's been happening, I'm sure a lot of people missed. I mean, I didn't really think of it until this weekend. It's like the Centers for Disease Control said, hey, the virus doesn't spread through surfaces. And then that kind of got lost. That was a couple weeks ago. 
The FDA a couple weeks ago said it doesn't spread through food. Oh, and then my favorite, the World Health Organization uh, Organization said, hey, it's rare for asymptomatic people to spread the virus. And then they walked back that statement. That was June 8th and another report from June 9th. They said, oh, yeah, if you're asymptomatic, you're probably not going to spread it. I mean, they have absolutely no idea. They have absolutely no clue. I mean, they're working with flawed theories to begin with and with either an ignorance and incompetence or uh, it, it, some of it has to be malicious. I mean, it's it's really obvious what what makes us sick, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's not that obvious. Poisonous chemicals that we're spraying, ammonium and chloride, ammonium uh, chlorine and all kinds of other stuff at the stores. Got to scrub those carts down. Got to make sure everything's clean. Well, that's what's going to make you sick, dummy. So all that happens, and it's it's just business as usual. Usual. By the way, speaking of that, I got kicked out of a. Um, I've never owned a mattress in my life, so I decided. You know what? I got a nice new place. Pretty simple. I don't really own a lot, so I'm just gonna be, let, me go, let me go get a mattress. <laughs> so I call some places. Go down to City Mattress here in uh, New York. I went to one over in a place called Victor. I go in there. And let's just say, well, I'll tell you when we get back from break, because that's going to take us into a little bit of Malthusian theory tonight here on The Secret Teachings. Basically, I'm I'm banned from City Mattress. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not allowed to go back in there. I'm also not allowed to go into Goodwill anymore, at least uh, one location. Uh, I'm banned from both those stores. When we come back from break, though, I want to tell you a little bit about that story. And then uh, the new thing to be afraid of... It's not really that new, but it's kind of new. That's the, uh, the the fear of food shortages and what that means. But that's part of the Malthusian theory. If you don't know who Thomas Malthus is, I want to talk about that tonight here on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings again Monday. It's new. We're back right here on The Fringe FM. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings or our website, thesecretteachings.info. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, Check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info. 
or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. Alex X. Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on TeePublic by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. is out there. There's something out here. And so are we. KTOK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast, where we expose frauds, say the uncomfortable, and discover patterns. And you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Understand the procedure now. Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. And this pattern is always the same? With few variations. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find. And it's themselves. All we need to do is sit back and watch.
I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings. I forgot how fast these breaks go. I guess I've been off for so long. It's five or so minutes just absolutely flew by. Had to go get a drink of water. Tonight on The Secret Teachings, we're talking about Malthusian theory. A little bit Malthusian theory. I was also sharing with you a little bit of behind the scenes here on The Secret Teachings the last week or so. We've missed so many shows while I've been moving, but I appreciate you staying with me right here on the Fringe FM and listening to the Fringe FM as well. The Fringe.FM is the network website. So I'm all moved in. I got this nice uh, walk-in closet where I've set up the new studio, and I've got some pictures of that on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. You can also email me at rdgable at yahoo.com if you have any questions, comments, if you want to share something with me. I do read the emails. I just don't always have a chance to respond back to them. But I promise you I'm reading them. If it's urgent, just mark it urgent, and I'll try to make that a priority. rdgable at yahoo.com. I'll post these new studio pictures on the website as well. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings and www.thesecretteachings.com. Dot info. So I felt that I needed to treat myself a little bit. I thought, you know what? I always sleep on a futon or the floor. Let me go out and get a mattress. So I called around and found some places that do free delivery. Still try to go cheap. So I get this, uh, this one place called Mattress City. Some of you probably know Mattress City. So, And if you're in another country, I don't know. They have, I'm sure, equivalents of Mattress City there. I don't know if I don't think this is an international store. It's a probably a smaller store. I guess it's kind of upscale though, or at least it looked upscale the area I went. So I go in there and they had the price range that I wanted. I mean, like three hundred fifty dollars, something like that. But as soon as I walk in the door, now this guy was not nice. <laughs> he was immediately angry. He pointed to me. I mean, I f- I felt like a prisoner. I said it to him too. He said, wait, sir, wait, 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 you must stand by the door. And he's like yelling at me. And it wasn't like he's on the other side of the store. He was maybe 20 feet from me. He's yelling, go back to the door, go back to the door, like a bus driver telling you to get behind the yellow or the red line. And I said, whoa, what are you talking about? He's like, you have to read the sign. Did you read it? I said, what sign? I'm not accustomed to reading signs before I come in the stores. Well, you should read it. We don't allow anybody in here without a mask on. And so I said, well, I have a medical condition. I'm not going to wear a mask. So what do you want me to do? And he said, well, you have to leave then. And he got very angry. And I said, well, I have a medical condition, and it's illegal to kick me out because of that reason. I said, if I came in here and I was deaf, would you kick me out? He said, no, we had no reason to. Why would we kick a deaf person out? I said, exactly. Why would you kick someone out who can't wear a mask? This guy couldn't debate me, I guess, or didn't want to and felt that it was unnecessary. So he walks away. Another guy comes up. And because of the guy yelling at me, I guess the staff felt that I was being belligerent. I really didn't raise my voice just above a basic tone. Like, what are you talking about? I've got a medical condition. Just like that. So this woman comes over who works there. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, the employee kind of sees, like, hey, there might be something big going down. So they kind of 
they inch a little bit closer, a little bit closer. Everybody's kind of like, I'm going to pull a gun or a knife or something when this guy's yelling at me and I'm just peacefully standing there with a backpack. It's ridiculous. So I end up getting into this discussion with the other guy and I'm like, you know, first of all, if you really want to talk about the details of it, and I went, I did the whole spiel. I gave him the whole thing. He's like, well, sir, we're going by CDC law. I said, what is CDC law? <laughs> he said, it's, it's what they recommend. I said, well, let's not interchange those words because law, you know, it's not the same thing as a recommendation. The CDC is a federal agency, yes, but they receive outside funding and state governments call the CDC in and listen to CDC recommendations. State governments don't abide by CDC law. That's not a thing. He's like, well, they're recommendations, sir. I said, okay, they're recommendations, exactly. So you're recommending I wear a mask. Well, no, 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 it's, it's a law. I said, what's the law? Well, you know, the governor signed the law. I said, no, he didn't. The governor signed an executive order. And then the guy just stops. I said, and did you, I asked him, I said, did you read it? And he said, no, I, I didn't read it. I said, well, then why are you enforcing it? Because it's store policy. So then he jumps to that. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa hold, on, hold on. You said it was a law. Well, first you said it was CDC law. I don't know what that is. You know, it's like bird law from sunny in Philadelphia, or it's like, I, I, th- I always think of arrested development. He's, uh, you know, pirate law. But he's, he's like, it's CDC law. It's like, it's not, there's no such thing as CDC law. And then he tells me he's never read the executive order. So then he just keeps backpedaling. Well, it's a store policy. I said, okay, what's the policy based on? And then we're back to the governor law, the governor's law, the executive order. And I said, if you, if you read the thing, you'd have read that there are lots of exceptions. It's basically a strong recommendation. Well, I don't care. This is the store policy. And I said, well, are you walking around with that mask on all day? Because you look, you look like an idiot. <laughs> so, I mean, I wasn't mean, but I got, I got into it with him a little bit. And he, he didn't, like, yell at me and say, get out, get out, get out. I just kept, basically, he was on the ropes. You know, I don't what do they do in wrestling? They blow a whistle. They blew the whistle. I was still wailing on this guy, all right? So, I mean, I was, I'd be suspended probably because I just, kept, I just kept punching him when he was down. He didn't have anything to say. So I kept asking him questions like, do you really think that mask protects you? He's like, well, it's not about me. It's about protecting you. And I said, well, I feel less protected if you have that mask on. I think you should take it off. Nothing to say, because I don't think these people have have ever actually had original thoughts about things like this. Anyway, it doesn't make me special. It doesn't make any of you special. If you've talked to people like this, it's just it's irritating. It's frustrating because I can sit there and I can explain in detail and I can show the information to them. I carry, you know, papers with me to show people. And, and it's like, well, but yeah, but that's not what that's not what the governor said. And it's like, well, did you even read what the governor said? No. Well, then you don't know what the governor said. <laughs> you just uh, you just assume that I'm stupid or I'm as stupid or as illiterate as you are. So anyway, I was asked not to come back to Mattress City. I got kicked out. So I, uh, I went to Goodwill, had a big Goodwill store, and uh, I got kicked out of there too <laughs> because, I mean, I don't do these things to have good radio stories, but they are... Yeah, I think they're good radio stories. So I go to Goodwill. This one was a little funnier because I go into Goodwill and clearly the woman that they have at the door couldn't walk that well. I mean, this woman was enormous. So immediately, if anybody's getting sick there, this woman's going to get sick and it's going to be from malnutrition, 
diabetes, something like that. That's not being mean. That's just a, that's a factual, scientific, medical observation. But anyway, I go. Maybe I'm maybe I maybe I'm an asshole. I don't know. So I go in here, and this woman is. She's like, sir, sir, no. And she's on a power trip, right? She doesn't have enough power to stand up and walk around, but she's got enough power to sit in her chair with her phone all day. So she puts her hand up, like she's a crossing guard. <laughs> Stop. I said, what? You must wear a mask. I said, I can't wear a mask. I got a medical condition. You want to see the medical note? No, you just have to wear a mask. I said, you don't, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. I have a doctor telling me not to wear a mask. That means it's illegal to kick me out of your store based on a medical issue. Well, you can talk to the manager if you want. I said, oh, I'll get the manager. So she waddles back. <laughs> and she gets... She get, I'm, I'm really enjoying this new studio. Just the sound in here is so different. So I'm just laughing a little bit more. She, she, she waddles back, and she gets the manager, and the manager comes out, and the manager's not much smaller than she is. So the manager waddles out with her. It's like two penguins. And this woman says, got to wear the mask, sir. And you know, she's, she's got her mask on. It's got, like, Goodwill embroidered on the mask. So she's advertising for Goodwill. I'm an employee of Goodwill. I'm essential. So she says, you got to wear the mask, and I give her the spiel. I said, you know the World Health Organization just said that it doesn't transmit asymptomatically, and you know that the FDA said it doesn't transmit on food and it doesn't transmit on services. Basically, they've got no evidence of any transmission whatsoever. And she just looks at me. She's like, yeah, but the, she's like, yeah, but the governor, they pa-, and she, she literally said this, because I, I called my friend Jack immediately, and I told him, I called my friend Mike D, too, and I told him this because I couldn't, I really couldn't believe it. The woman actually said to me, she said, yeah, but they passed that, like, governor, and she, 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 she's saying this, governor, and, uh, go, she's the manager of a Goodwill, for God's sake. I said, governatorial executive order, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I said, so you, I'm think, well, I'm thinking, you don't know how to pronounce it. First of all, but okay, we'll give you some leeway there. You were too busy, you know, eating a ring of uh, or a packet of Oreos or something to to actually read it. So she said, "Well, you know, yeah, that one." And I said, "Well, did you read that one?" And she said, "Well, no, I didn't read it." And I said, "Well, if you read it, there are exemptions, like medical exemptions." She said, "Doesn't matter, it's a store policy, sir." And I said, well, it's illegal. You understand that it's a violation. And then I, gave, I read the list off. And she's like, well, it doesn't matter. I said, you really just do not understand the fundamentals of, of what is like what you're legally allowed to do as a business, do you? Like you, you're, you're operating in the state of New York, in the United States. You cannot legally kick somebody out of your store. I mean, they'll do it anyway. But So I go through this whole thing with her. And this conversation was much longer. And as I'm going through this conversation with her, this older lady walks out. She's got gloves and a mask on, and she pushes her cart to me, and then she puts her hands in the air like I, like she's under arrest. Not too exaggerated, but she puts her she puts her hands up, and she's kind of joking. She's like, I didn't touch it with anything except my gloves. And I'm like, well, I told the woman, I said, and, and she was really nice, so I was kind of joking with her. I said, well, you know, what does it matter if you have gloves on? What, I don't, I'd rather you just touch it with your hands. You know, the gloves are dirtier. And she's like, yeah, you're probably right about that. And I said, well, no, I know I'm right about that because I read the medical literature on that. Gloves are much worse unless you're changing them every every time you touch something. And I said, besides that mask, what do you think that mask's doing? And she said, yeah, 
I really don't agree with the mask thing myself. This woman's like 80-something. She's got to be maybe 70s, close to 80s. And she's like, yeah, but my kids won't come over. Grandkids won't come over unless I wear the mask. They're terrified. So in this case, it was like an older person who was aware, but her kids, the younger generation, the younger folk, they were terrified. All right, so I, as I'm having that conversation with the with the older lady and this manager still standing there panting because she walked three feet, I said, you know, you, you can't kick someone out of the store. And I gave her the spiel one more time. And I said, this is my favorite part. Oh, my God. It sounds like, I swear, it's going to sound like I'm making this up. I said, you know, the WHO, the World Health Organization, <laughs> it's so ridiculous what this woman said to me. The World Health Organization said, that it's really unlikely that anything transmits asymptomatically. They have no evidence of anything. And she said, who? I said, yep. And she said, no, who? Who's that? I said, who's the who? (laughs) I said, the World Health Organization. Jesus Christ, how are you a manager of anything? You know? So she's, oh, well, 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 yeah, but the CDC said this. It's like, what? We're just going around in circles. Yeah, well, they said this, and they said this, and they, my manager said this, and the store said this, and the pop. She gives me the same story as the city mattress. Well, the store policy is this, sir. Well, what's the store policy based on? The governor, the governor, like she stuttered. Governor, she wasn't stuttering. She just didn't know how to pronounce governor. The governor's executive order? Yeah. Well, did you read it? No. Then why are you enforcing it? Because it's a store policy. I mean, it is literally, I had a friend, I had a talk with my friend, at at work and I told her I said it was literally like having the idiocracy conversation I, I really it was like talking to these people about putting water on the crops and they're like out of the toilet well it doesn't have to be out of the toilet but yeah that's the basic idea you know <laughs> that we put water on the crops why would we put water on the crops that's that's silly. that's outrageous why would we do that we need that for toilets and the conversation was literally like having this discussion about Brondo. It's like, well, why we put Brondo in the crops? Because it, it's got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. Well, what are electrolytes? It's what they use to make Brondo. So I'm literally having an idiocracy conversation with this woman. And then they basically tell me, you know, get out, don't come back. And then they kind of look at me, you know, the fat lady look when the two fat ladies look at each other. And then I walk out and I hear them talking about me. I didn't even say anything else. I just left. I was like, well... Goodwill's out of the question. Mattress City's out of the question. I ended up I ended up going to TJ Maxx. I, I think I got like a towel there, but they did not they did not mask check me at TJ Maxx. I mean, it's it's strongly recommended, sir. So anyway, I, I went out and I did. I don't ever go to stores like that. I go to Goodwill sometimes, but never again. Now, I go to stores like that sometimes. It, it, usually once a year. If I move once a year, once every two years. Whenever I move, I usually go to those stores. I go to Goodwill. I see buy a few new things or you know because other stuff is i have towels that are just kind of falling apart because i use them so much so i went on and got some stuff and i was going to get that mattress as i'm going to all these stores i have not been out and a lot of you i know probably have not been out either so to me it was kind of surprising i went to i hate target i just went in there to walk around i was over at this like outdoor mall area i go to target i'm looking at target tj maxx um I went in a couple of other stores, and it was just, it, there was like nothing on the shelves. And, and they, it wasn't like they just opened or anything from the shutdown. So I, I asked someone, like, what the deal was, and they, they said that they just don't have, they're just not getting shipments in. And then they, they had like a loudspeaker announcement playing, 
and it was saying, you know, due to COVID-19, we will have very, very limited quantity of many of our items in the store. And some parts of the store are just totally barren. And so it gives this it gives you this idea that like well resources must be scarce and factories are shutting down. That's actually where I went. I went to Big Lots and Big Lots. I was looking at beds there, and Big Lots. They told me the guy was really nice at Big Lots, and uh, funny enough, the only people I fought with were two fat white people, white women, and two fat white guys. The one person I got along with was a black guy at Big Lots. But I'm not thinking of race. But I'm still racist, I guess. People tell me. So I go. I'm talking to this guy. And he tells me about the mattresses. He's like, yeah, we could get it in for you, but it's probably going to be an issue. And I didn't have a mask on either. He didn't say anything to me. And he's just going to be an issue because the factory's just opened up and they're trying to get everything you know, back up to speed. So as I'm, I'm just exploring and tr- I'm trying to get a mattress, I would like a mattress. Not, it's not going to happen now, I guess. So I'm going to sleep on the futon, but I'm cool with that. And in the process, I realized... You know, a lot, lot of people have, have realized this too, but I hadn't gone out and seen it firsthand, that there's just stores are not getting items in now because of either one, it's not maybe profitable because so many people just go buy it online now, or two, because the products are not being manufactured and shipped. So there there are different ways to look at that. In one way, it's like, well, that's that's a good thing because it's just a bunch of junk at most of these stores and it's consumerism. We, we don't need those items. But then you look at it from the lens of it's not like people have stopped buying those items. They, they're still buying them. They're just buying them from big online retailers like Amazon. So they're still buying the junk. You know, not, not everything's junk, but most, we just, we don't need it. And that's what I started thinking. It's like, first of all, it's it's part of a plan to create and to cultivate an environment where people are not only too afraid to go outside, but since stores don't have what they want anyway, we'll just start shutting down not only the small businesses, but we'll work up to the big businesses with the exception of like, you know, a giant, giant, giant corporation, which will have all the business, you know, Walmart, Target a megalomart like king of the hill something like that so i think they had a costco in idiocracy didn't they have a costco like you could, you could get your law degree there you could buy a couch they had like <laughs> it was like miles and miles long that's kind of the store that'll that'll exist in the hopefully not but somewhat in the near to distant future so everything else will be purchased online you know, even your food, that's a lot of people now are just doing the food thing. Get your food delivered. I'm not talking about Grubhub. I'm talking about like groceries, get your groceries delivered. So I came home. This was on like Thursday last week. And I thought, you know, I don't really need a bed. It would be nice to have a bed. And I got rid of so much stuff when I moved. I hardly have anything anyway. I mean, like, 30% 30% of my possessions are in the studio with me right now. And they're, and like 40% of them or more are books. And they're just behind the studio door in the living room here. And I, I don't really have much else except the futon and some cooking stuff. And I just thought I need, I need less stuff. And if I get a bed, that's just one more thing to carry around. But I just started thinking about, I started thinking about things like, you know, your supply and your demand, your basic economic terms. We learned that in business class in high school and about scarcity and shortages 
in items and shortages in things like food. Some of you know that I I have a part-time job. I work at a little grocery store. And I remember when this whole, I want to say it in quotes, COVID thing began. There was a guy that came into the grocery store. This was before the mask debacle. And he says, I forget what he was looking for. It was something, it was one of those fake meats or something. It was something in the cooler. And I work produce, so I don't know exactly what we have. I could go find out. But the guy's like asking, he was kind of a weirder guy. He didn't really communicate that well. But to be fair, neither do I sometimes. So he's saying something to me. He's asking me about this product. I'm like, I don't, I don't think we're going to have that for a while. And he's like, why not? And he wasn't slow or anything. He just seemed like a child. He was like, why not? And I said, well, because the supply lines and they can't order it. It's not manufactured. You know, just gave him some basic info. And he's like, yeah, but what am I going to do without it? And I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My mind works. I'm thinking like, I don't know, buy something else. And I said, I don't, I, I don't know. What do you mean? What are you going to do without it? Just, you're going to, you're going to, you, you can't buy it. So I don't know. Figure something out. And he's, and so then the guy says to me, well, that's not very fair that other people got to come in and buy it before me. It's like, no, that's the definition of fairness. They were here first. There's a quantity limit. So they only bought two, maybe max, whatever. I don't know what this guy wanted, like some weird soy sausage or something like that. You know, you're better off just eating real sausage. But but he's asking me, and it's just like the childlike nature of the question, like, well, that's not fair. They came here and got it before I did. Well, get up earlier then, <laughs> you know? So that's like the first thing that came to my mind when I'm looking for this mattress and I'm looking through these stores and seeing stuff mi- just missing from the shelves. And it's the, the idea of scarcity and things not not being available, but more so not just scarcity, not just something not being available, but the reasoning why something is not available. Why is it that these items, is it because factories are shut down and that's why there's a shortage of something? Or is there another reason? Because if you start to read about what's been going on in the last three to four months, you can pull up New York Times and not that they're a credible they're basically a racist newspaper, but you pull those, I don't even know if it's a newspaper, I don't know, that racist publication, the New York Times, and they publish stuff, and there's some others. I posted some of these articles on the secretteachings.info under the top news section about how there are farmers that are having to just destroy part of their crops. There are, I mean, I don't like milk, but there are a lot of dairy farmers that are just having to dump their milk and there are people that raise, you know, animals for eggs. They are having to just get rid of the eggs. They just because there's not there's not enough demand for them, or there isn't transportation for them. So it's a lot of food waste, like vegetables, milk, eggs, and then of course there's been a meat scare scare. And if you go to a lot of grocery stores. They might not have products that you want, maybe. I mean, personally, I haven't run into any issue. Well, maybe maybe once. They didn't have, like, some veggie burgers, but that's normal. The veggie burgers I get at Wegmans, the grocery store here, they're really good, they're really cheap, they're really clean, and they sell very quickly. So it's probably not because of COVID. It's probably just because people bought them because they were good. So that was the only thing I've, I've seen. But, see, my life didn't turn upside down. I'm like, ah, that's disappointing. I'll buy something else. You know, I'll eat something else. 
And that's kind of the part of, that's part of the problem, though. When we talk about, before we can even talk about Malthusian philosophy and theory, this is getting us into it. Part of the problem is, it's like entitlement. Well, I deserve that item. I always buy that item. Well, I'm sorry, we don't have it. Yeah, but I always buy it. Okay, but we don't have it, so buy something else. (laughs) It's really simple. It's not that complicated. And yeah, it's disappointing when you come to a store and they don't have something you want, but it's not always because of some pandemic. And if you don't have something, you buy it, buy some, buy it somewhere else, buy another product or you special order it maybe. I don't know. So there's like this, um, there's this entitlement that whether or not there's scarcity, you should be able to get what you want. And if you should be able to get what you want, you should be happy, but getting what you want doesn't always make you happy. So the more we get what we want that we don't necessarily need, the more we feel entitled to getting what we want. And so it creates this cycle. So we think maybe there's a shortage in certain things like meat or, but you don't, you know, you don't have to eat meat to be healthy, you sure as hell don't have to eat meat to get protein. You get enough protein in oats and enough protein in, I mean, pretty much any vegetable, any fruit is loaded with protein. But if you're thinking about protein, vitamins, things like this, nutrients, you, you can get that in things other than meat. I'm not saying don't eat meat. I'm saying if you're talking about, well, meat's scarce and there's like three or four items I usually buy and they're scarce. And what do I do? What do I do? Well, I, I don't know, eat something else. See, this idea that, oh, there's a food shortage. Well, there might be specific food shortages, but this does not mean that there's a food shortage. Because if there was a food shortage, you wouldn't be getting half the food that you're getting. A couple of years ago, some of you might remember this, and it's not confined to this one particular report, but there's a story about how in the United States, and it's pretty much the same in the UK and around the world, we throw out, we waste, not like compost it if we don't use it, but we waste, we trash on average, the average household, 40% of the food that we purchase. That is a lot of food. If the average grocery bill, I think it's over $100 or something a week, but let's say the average grocery bill is $100. Do the math. 100 times 4, $400 a month for a family. You know, If it's not a big family, you probably spend a lot less. But So 400 bucks a month, half of that goes into the garbage can. That's a lot of food and that's a lot of money, you know? What, just factor, just do it yourself. Whatever, what do you think you spend on food? 100 bucks a week, 50 bucks a week, 30 bucks a week. Even if you you spend $50 a week, that's 200 bucks. That's $100 a month you're throwing out. Then, you know, divide that by how much you get paid an hour. And if you're making, you know, $10, $15, that's several hours of work that you're literally throwing into the garbage can. Now, there are a lot of reasons for the reason you know, why we throw stuff out. But regardless of the reasoning, if we were more responsible individually, a government can't change this. The UN can't change this. 
The, the, the UN food programs can't change. This is a decision that you have to make. I'm not going to waste that. I'm going to buy more responsibly. That's a lot of waste, 40%. So then you get this idea, this Malthusian idea, Thomas Malthus. He was into a lot of stuff. He was into economics. He was uh, into devising um, various forms of, uh, I guess you could say, like political, economic theory. He was a clear, he did a lot of stuff. Thomas Malthus proposed that what happens is... Uh, when you have people that he he wrote an essay in 1798 it was called an essay on the principle of population and he said when you increase food production it leads to better living conditions sounds good but to him that caused another pr- a problem so if you didn't have enough food that's obviously a problem but when you increase food it increases your living conditions it makes them more livable if you will but what happens is when you have a better living condition, then you tend to have more children, more population growth. So then you need more food. And then, I mean, these are just like basic things like, yeah, of course, more food, more population, more food, more population, and it grows. But his theory is based on this idea that, you know, when people are using the abundance of food to have a family rather than to maintain a high living standard, which is a very entitled elitist attitude, but not not for everybody. I'm saying if you're proposing that everybody lives that way, that's very elitist. And Malthusian theory is very globalist elitist anyway. So when you think about the, the, the Malthusian theory, it just it's kind of like if you read between the lines and, and what it actually proposes is that because more food equals more people, and if you want to reduce the population, you need less food. The problem is there's plenty of food. We throw out about half the food we buy anyway, the ha- about half the food that's produced globally. Wealthy nations throw out almost, I think it's like 222 tons, million tons or something like that. It's a ridiculous number. I mean, I think it's like wealthy nations throw out about as much food as all of sub-Saharan Africa. It's out- an outrageous amount of food that's just tossed. So you have enough food. You want to control the population, control the oil, control the food, the famous Kissinger quote, control oil, control a nation, control the food, control the people. Well, control the food, control the population. So you have this idea that everything's scarce and it's it's gone. We don't have enough. No, there's plenty. There's plenty of land. There's plenty of water. There's plenty of sunlight. You're not supposed to get that, though. Plenty of food. The Malthusians say, no, there's not enough food. Why would they say that? Because the ultimate goal is to reduce the population. And more food equals better living standards and more population. You want to get rid of population, reduce the living standards, and decrease food production. Reverse engineer it. I'm Ryan Gable, Malthusian Theory, tonight on the show. This is The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. 
visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com This is Dave Cruz host of Beyond the Strange and you're listening to The Fringe FM The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on TeePublic by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, mythology to alchemy, check out Ryan Gable's book, Occult Arcana, with hundreds of beautiful images. If you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs and demonic packs made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. And if you want a practical look at food, lifestyle, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and order yours today. It supports The Secret Teachings, you, and The Fringe FM. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, The Fringe FM is for you, the listener. And we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm. Call the station at 501-777-5631 or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. This is Ryan Gable of the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast, where we expose frauds, say the uncomfortable, and discover patterns. And you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination. Where the past, present, and future all co coexist on the same timeline. A reminder that the future is not some distant glimmer, but a bright light shining in your eyes. This is the future we are in right now. Where our phones are the first things that we touch when we wake up, the last thing we touch before falling asleep. Radiant, seductive screens we so lovingly, endlessly gaze upon. Much like you're doing right now. Welcome to a future where our true re reflection is only revealed once the screen goes dark. Welcome. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. Ryan Gable, and you're listening to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on the Fringe FM, the Fringe.fm, the network website, our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Tonight, Malthusianism. In 1798, Thomas Malthus wrote an essay on the principle of population and how when you increase food production, it leads to better living standards. Now, that sounds like a positive thing. But if your ultimate goal is to reduce and to control the population, then you'd want to decrease food production or at least control and manage food production in a way that would prevent, based on his theory, that with increased food production comes better living conditions which leads to population growth. And that people, rather than using their abundance, their cornucopia, to grow as individuals and to live a better lifestyle, extravagantly perhaps, they, they used that abundance, that cornucopia, to have families and, and to grow externally in a sense. And so if you want to control the population, we can set aside depopulation, population reduction, and just think about controlling population growth, managing population growth. Well, like Henry Kissinger said, control the oil, control nations, control the food, and you control the people. And we could go into the details of genetic engineering. We can go into the details of chemical-based farming, all of these things are very relevant to Malthusian thought and to eugenics, which seems to have been revived under various names today in terms of popularity. It's just not called eugenics. But when I think about scarcity, especially scarcity of food, because we're hearing that now again, that food is going to be scarce and so people are afraid and they're buying. You should have extra food. You should always have extra food and extra water. I mean, even if it's just for something like you get snowed in or there's a hurricane, you should have extra food and water. I'm not, 
I've said that for, for a long time. I have a little bit of extra food and water. So it's not like, well, we should, we should just you know go to the store every day and buy food and not have any extra. No, that's silly. You should always have extra food and water, extra batteries, flashlights, weapons to defend yourself. I- anything can happen. It's just like being responsible, being in charge, being prepared. But we think about scarcity and the scarcity of food, and that's a frightful thing because we, we need food. And in yet another way, when we're told that food is becoming more scarce, a couple of things happen. That triggers our instinct because instinctually we need food. So if there's not enough food, well, we need to do something about that. We need to go hoard as much food as we can get rather than being reasonably prepared. The other thing it does is it misdirects our attention. So you go to the store and it's like, Christmas time, there are all these toys, but there's one hot popular toy or two or three hot popular toys. And everybody wants to get the hot popular toys. And they're walking past all of the other toys, classic toys, things like that. I, I don't know. I haven't been to a toy store, but to, toy store, but there's a lot of stuff. So I think of it like that. Everybody's looking for the hot item, but they're ignoring that there's like all these other toys. And that's the thing. They're ignoring that there's like all this other food. Even when there were stoppages or case limits for orders at grocery stores, there was still an abundance of food. I mean, an abundance of food. I know personally, working in produce part-time, the amount of food I brought home Saturday... Which was com- which was legitimately it wasn't even for vain reasons it was just a little yellowing or a little softness. I probably brought home like fifty dollars worth of free food, mostly greens. I brought like zucchini and I had kale and I had lasanato kale, green kale, zucchini. I brought home red onions. I think a sweet or I think it maybe it was a yellow onion, a couple yellow onions. I had lemons. I had broccoli. I mean, that's a perk of working at a grocery store in the produce department. But the point is, like, that would have all been thrown out. And that's, like, every single day. And that's a small grocery store. These big grocery stores are throwing out, like, probably thousands of pounds of food a day. And that's per store, per state, per country. Just think about the amount of food. It's about half. In the U.S., it's 40%. The U.K., 40%. That's of household food that we're throwing out, that we're wasting. And it's not even like we're dumping it into the compost bin. It's just going to waste, period. Because we're not using it. We, we're, we're, there's a demand for things. We buy them. We don't use It's a waste. So we think, well, food is scarce because of virus fears and potential riots and civil unrest and insurrection. So we need to make sure that we're prepared to deal with any possibility. But rather than being prepared reasonably, we become frightened because we're told that there's a second wave coming. We're in the midst of a second wave. There may need to be more lockdowns. Food is becoming more scarce as plants either shut down or they're reopening and they're still not up to capacity or plants that are working at partial capacity, whether it's meat or 
It could be anything. It could be, I mean, produce has not really suffered, but processed packaged foods have suffered in terms of production and distribution. The key point here is that there, there is a lot of food. There's plenty of food. There is plenty of food for, for billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of more people with change. And with more people, there'd be more food production. So it, 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 this idea that more people equals starvation only exists because of distribution and a number of other smaller reasons in terms of distribution because there are, I mean, there's farmland or potential farmland that's wasted, farmland that's purchased for investment that's just left. Obviously, things like cash crops, you know, your tobacco, your your sugar, your coffee, where otherwise, you know, a single crop, you know, the, 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 the amount of space that it takes to grow something like this, usually in a lot of third world countries, you know, could be used to plant several different crops. And then you have crop rotation and you have seed saving and you have the maintenance of, of pest control and all these things, but that's all replaced by chemicals and one singular crop. So there are lots of reasons why there are perhaps true shortages in certain things. But overall, there is not a shortage of food in any way, in any shape, and in any form. Now, the thing is, perspectively speaking, there are shortages of things that we want, but we don't need, we don't have to have to live, to survive, to thrive, to obtain nutrients, which is what food is. If it's not nutrient-dense, it's not food by definition. So we need nutrients. We need food. We need actual food. And if we're purchasing something because we like it that's fine but if the store doesn't have it and we it's this it's it's the it's the manufactured scarcity you tell people food is scarce it's going to get worse so we say well oh no what are we going to do they're out of my favorite you know potato chips what are we going to do honey we don't know what are we going to do without these chips what are we going to do without that ice cream we always get that ice cream well there's plenty of other stuff to eat there's, there's a surplus of food. We just waste a lot of that food. It's not like some evil conspiracy. It's just we don't... It's probably a little bit of decadence. We don't pay attention to it. It's in the United States, in the UK, in Australia, and all parts of the world that have surpluses of food. We waste a lot of that food. So food is not scarce. It doesn't matter what these people tell you in the media. Food is not scarce. Food is plentiful, bountiful. It's a cornucopia. A food. But from packaging even something as simple as celery and the way that they cut off like 30% of the actual celery and it just goes to waste in the fields or potato fields that are, they, they go through and plow them and then the potatoes, I mean, literally tons and tons and tons and tons of potatoes that are just wasted. And there's supposed to be a potato shortage right now. But, I mean, how many, you could find probably thousands of tons of potatoes wherever they're grown around the world, just in the soil. They just weren't picked up. There's plenty of food. Plenty of, there's plenty of land. There's plenty of food. So the idea 
that Thomas Malthus proposed was that if you have an increase in food production, you have better living standards. And that sounds like a good thing, but it leads to more population growth. And if your goal is to reduce population or at least to management, uh, manage it with some form of management, you'd want to decrease food production or at least keep it in a state of artificial scarcity. Because if you had more food, more people are going to have families. Uh, It's just kind of like the natural order of things. But instead, we're reminded of the quote from 1984. The war is not meant to be won. It is meant to be continuous. Think about this Eric Blair George Orwell quote in context with the racial division and in context with context with quote unquote COVID-19. The war could be against a virus or racism. The war is not meant to be won. It is meant to be continuous. The essential act of modern warfare is the destruction of the produce of human labor. That could not be any more true in relation to what we're experiencing right now. The war against COVID has led to the destruction of the produce of human labor. A hierarchical society is only possible on the basis of poverty and ignorance. That's the hierarchical society that Thomas Malthus is a member of. Controlling the lower portions of that hierarchical society. Artificial scarcity, horrible living conditions, reduction, management, population. In principle, the war effort is always planned to keep society on the brink of starvation. You're going to starve. You're not going to have enough food. There could be a famine. Well, there are certain things that are supply lines that have broken down and farmers had to destroy meat and milk and dairy, like eggs and things like that. But there's plenty of food if you go to the grocery store. Even in places that are cleaned out, there's still lots of food. You can get food. The war is waged by the ruling group against its own subjects. I don't need to explain that to you. And its object is not victory, in this case in the book, over Eurasia or East Asia. And in in, in our case, it would be, is not victory over COVID-19 or racial inequality as we perceive it, but to keep the very structure of society intact. And we can read that again in context with what we're experiencing today. The war is not meant to be won. It is meant to be continuous. The essential act of modern warfare is the destruction of the produce of human labor. A hierarchical society is only possible on the basis of poverty and ignorance. In principle, the war effort is always planned to keep society on the brink of starvation. The war is waged by the ruling group against its own subjects, and its object is not victory over COVID-19 or racial inequality, but to keep the very structure of society intact on the brink of starvation but we're really not on the brink of starvation we waste so much food that we have an abundance of food an abundance of land there's an abundance there's a cornucopia on this planet this flat earth this ball this globe this pear whatever you want to call it there's an abundance but people like Thomas Malthus proposed a few hundred years ago that you want to control people Like Henry Kissinger said, control the oil, control nations, control the food, control the people. If you want to control people, 
you control the food. Malthus knew this long before Henry Kissinger was ever born. Decrease food production, decrease living standards, manage the population within a certain number that you, within the hierarchical society, waging war against the lower class, wish to maintain. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this break. Don't go anywhere. Don't forget to check out our archive on the website. $35 gets you a one-year subscription and a free book. Just contact me if you have any questions. It supports you, the show, and the network. And I've been so busy moving and whatnot. I finished the Food Philosophy book, so it's available now. It's $15 soft cover. When you buy the soft cover, you get a digital copy if you'd like for free, or you can buy the digital copy separately. And it's free shipping in the U.S. Again, questions, email me, rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings, www.thesecretteachings.info. Don't go anywhere more after this. to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Paranormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on TeePublic by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. This is Reverend John M. Polk from johnpolkmedia.com and you are listening to KTLK, The Fringe. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, 
then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, The Fringe FM is for you, the listener, and we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm, call the station at 501-777-5631, or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the Vox Populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. Verdict is vengeance, a vendetta, held as a votive, not in vain, for the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. We're back new for the first time in a couple of shows. I've just settled into the new place after moving. Got a nice new studio set up and a little walk-in closet in this new apartment that I have. This walk-in closet I thought was perfect. A little bit of storage, a little bit of radio, and it's more soundproof now. I need to get some of the the egg cartons, put those on the wall. I don't know if anybody has any extras of those they could send me, but I'm going to try to order some soundproof this place a little bit more. But I think it sounds pretty good. I don't know. What about you? Does it sound good? Hello, hello, hello. I think it sounds pretty good. At least it does to me. Tonight, I had a lot, of, I had a lot to think about over the weekend. Well, all last week. And I started to think about scarcity because I had gone to these stores. I've been, I kicked out, got kicked out of a couple of stores. I got banned from city mattress and goodwill because of the mask thing and, you know, getting into an argument with them and all that. But some stores 
didn't care if you wore a mask or they they care, but they they can't really they know they legally can't say anything. So I noticed that a lot of stores, even if they've been open the whole time throughout this lockdown, they're missing like a large portion of their stock. And that's probably because factories aren't operating. People have also bought up large quantities of different things, not just toilet paper, paper towels, tissues, hand sanitizer, gloves, masks, just, you know, whether it's something back in seasonal. I noticed a lot of seasonal stuff was missing. A lot of big stuff that's manufactured, like, you know, outside couches and chairs and tables and fire pits, things like this. Obviously, a lot of stuff now is being purchased online because it's just easier. And more people have subscribed to your Netflixes, your Hulus, your Amazon Primes. So this whole thing has caused the activation of a what I would call a new cultural singularity. It's a point of no return referencing technological advancement, but a point of no return I'm referencing cultural change more so than advancement, where there is no going back. There is no normal as we knew normal. This is the new normal. Not the K-N-E-W, but the N-E-W, the new normal. Not as we knew it, but the new normal. And that means a lot of different things. One of them is to expect, we've been told this consistently by media, expect there to be shortages on items. So you can order them online. Expect there to be, you know, your social distancing and your masks. And a lot of people just aren't participating in this anymore. I mean, even law enforcement, it's not a law anyway. Even if it was a law, they don't have to enforce it. But depending on what, you know, governors have executive orders and it's the whole thing we've discussed before. But the point is, if you think about scarcity, we're being told now that food is becoming more scarce. And I can tell you working in the grocery store, food is not more scarce. Food is in abundance. If you go to any grocery store, food is in abundance. You know, unless it's a teeny tiny little grocery store in the middle of absolutely nowhere and they can't get supplies, then maybe there's a lack of food. But if you're anywhere near a larger than gas station grocery store, there's plenty of food on the shelves. It might not be what you want to eat, and that's the key. There's a cornucopia of food. There's plenty of food. There's tons of food. There's lots of food. There's an abundance of food. It just might not be the food that you want to consume because you don't like the taste, because you don't like that product. So if you're told there's scarcity and there's a lack of food, you're probably going to think when you go to the store and you find that, oh, no, they don't have my chips. They don't have my cookies. They don't have my frozen meals. They don't have my tofu. It confirms the bias that was artificially implanted, the perception that you've been given that there's a food shortage. But then you look around and there's plenty of food. There's lots of food. It's everywhere. We've referenced Thomas Malthus tonight. He wrote a paper in 1798 called An Essay on the Principle of Population. And Malthus was one of these... I mean, we refer to uh, to people like him now as Malthusians. It's a whole philosophy. Or the Malthusian 
model in terms of population growth. And what he did was he observed in his writings that when a nation increases its food production, there's an improved sense of well-being and lifestyle for the general populace. But he said that that well-being, that lifestyle, was only temporary because it led to more population growth, which in turn restored the original per capita production level. And because humans had a propensity to utilize their abundance for population growth rather than maintaining some form of higher lifestyle, this created, I mean, it's, it's, there's a name for it. It's called like the Malthusian specter or the Malthusian trap, which it's perceived as this, you know, kind of like an Ouroboros. It's just like a vicious cycle, a circle. But I don't feel that if you increase food production, let's say, the- theoretically speaking, Malthusianly speaking, if you will, you increase food production, you have more food for people, and then people have more kids, and then you continue to expand and grow. Industrialization and growth is not a negative thing. If industrialization is conducted with toxic chemicals and a destruction of the environment and the, and the ecosystem and uh, human society and culture and small towns and big towns and cities and everything is just polluted and destroyed, that's not, yeah, that's not good, clearly. But the idea that all industrialization is bad, that that all growth is bad, is just very, very, I'll say, anti-human. But it's 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 the anti-industrialist movement, which has merged with these other movements, which are really just the the branches of anti-industry. It really does have a a Marxist communist tone to it. But there are some people who aren't really communists or Marxists. They might repeat the talking points, but they just really think like, well, pollution's not good. And I I agree, pollution's not good. But there aren't really, you know, solutions offered to that. It's like, well, we could just live peacefully. It's These are like idealists. Well, yeah, we could live peacefully. It'd be nice not to have to have, uh, you know, a gun and lock my door, but people try to rob me, so I'm going to have to have a way to defend myself. I mean, ideally, it would it's not something I want to lay in bed at night and think about, but we don't live in that world. So based on the Malthusian theory, like Henry Kissinger said, control the oil, control the nation, control foods, control the people. So if you increase food production, better living standards, population growth, and then food production needs to increase again, like that's societal, cultural, civilized growth in any industrial system. And so if you need to increase food production, just like industrialization, there are ways to do that that are not harmful. If you industrialize food production and you do it in a harmful way, well, of course, that's going to cause more problems. So if you want to control and manage the population, then you need to reverse engineer the theory. And basically, you want to control population, you have worse living conditions, and you have less food. But when food is such an abundance, a cornucopia of options and selection for many places on the planet, not everywhere, when you have such abundance of food, and we'll get to why other countries don't have that, 
But when you have such an abundance of food in certain places, and people become very decadent, well, we start throwing out a lot of food we don't use. It's like, well, we're not going to, I don't really want that tonight. It's not really bad, but I'm not going to use it. Just throw it out. We don't even compost it a lot of the time. So in the U.S., we throw out about 40% of our food. In the U.K., it's about 40%. Australia, it's about 40%. I don't know about countries like Japan or I'm sure it's the same thing. I think globally it's about it's about a quarter to 40%, 25 to 40%. Some countries have higher numbers. But, I mean, these are just estimated yields. I'm sure it's much, much, much higher than that. It's probably over 50%. So there's plenty of food. I mean, if there were 20 billion people on this planet, at food production levels that we have today, with under 10 billion people, we'd have plenty of food. If you increase that and then doubled the population, you still have there's still tons of food. There's plenty of food. So this is a myth that there's not enough food. There's plenty of food. If we just eliminated waste or a portion of waste, there would be substantially more food within the system without even adjusting the current destructive system of, 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 of industrialized agriculture. So the idea then, from the Malthusian point of view, is that we need to we need to stop population growth. And this is part of Agenda 2030. Stop population growth, manage society better, manage the population. But in doing that, we want to provide, you know, more nutritious food. We want to we want to provide uh, you know, that people aren't starving and that they don't go hungry. You start. You look at the words that these these governmental or non governmental or these global bodies that they use. They talk about like not letting the world go hungry. That's part of the UN agenda and the seventeen goals to sustain, to sustainability. Well, being hungry just means that you lack food of, of any type. It doesn't matter if it's a if it's a snickerdoodle or it's broccoli. When you're eating these kinds of foods, yeah, you're getting energy, like calories. They're food-based energy. But if you're not eating food with nutrients, then you're not eating food, and therefore you're going to be malnourished. So if you think about malnutrition in comparison with hunger, there's a big difference. And you don't really hear these big food groups and international groups, these non-governmental, governmental, global governmental bodies, they don't really talk a lot about malnutrition. They talk about hunger. Because malnutrition affects people, whether you're in first world or second world or third world, fourth world countries. It affects people everywhere. Because if you eat large quantities of food so you're not hungry, you can still be malnourished and you can still be obese because you're malnourished. And there's a lot of reasons why people are hungry in the world, and there are a lot of reasons people are malnourished in the world. One of the reasons people are hungry is because of extreme poverty. Part of that extreme poverty is compounded by the fact that there are rising food prices to meet a global food marker when, if there wasn't in some places such open trade with the WTO, for example, the World Trade Organization, you wouldn't have countries that could support themselves barely able to su- to support you know small little villages C- countries like africa are so massive africa can support the entire planet they, but they somehow can barely support themselves i was reading that literally in wealthier nations uh, i'm not sure how that's 
necessarily defined, but wealthier nations, the United States and probably places like Canada, the UK. The amount of food that is wasted is almost equivalent to the entire net food production of sub-Saharan Africa. It's about 230 million tons. The wealth of food in some countries that is thrown out is upwards of 222 million tons. That's almost the entire output of sub-Saharan Africa. So there's plenty of food. It's just not getting to the people that need it for a number of reasons because industrial agriculture is about producing profit. It's not about producing food. And farmers who really want to produce food, they really want to produce a product, they want to grow a, a number of products, number of crops. It's becoming more and more, it's becoming increasingly difficult to do so because it's very expensive to operate a farm. A lot of farmers have seen that, you know, not all, but a lot of farmers have seen that as they switch to genetically modified seeds and chemical agriculture that is synthetic at the, you know, the very least to just take a baby step in that direction in terms of talking about chemical farming, that it actually costs more money. It doesn't result in higher yields. It results in fewer yields, less yield, and a depletion of topsoil, not to mention a depletion of soil organisms that break down material, organic material, and release nutrients back into the soil, into the plants. So you, you literally have a situation where it's like we've been spraying Brondo on crops for a couple of generations, longer than that, but, I mean, the excess of chemical usage in the 21st century is beyond out of control. Thousands of chemicals, hundreds of thousands of chemicals just on the market, but in terms of chemical agriculture, thousands and thousands of chemicals used, even some that are banned now. Should have never been, none of these should be allowed, but uh, even some that have been banned are still being dumped. Because if they're not dumped on crops, they're just dumped other places. So this stuff's in the environment, it's in water, it's in breast milk, it's in it's in your hair, it's in everything. I mean, plus if you're using chemical shampoos and chemical soaps, you're being washed and bathed in, in chemicals anyway. But some of these chemicals are way worse than what you'd get in your, you know, your soap at the dollar store or something. So you have soil degradation, you have soil organism degradation, chemicals that are synthetic. They have, they have to replace certain things in the soil, so they have these MPK fertilizers, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium fertilizers. All, all of this to replace what naturally should be there, what naturally would provide you with a good yield, what naturally would be done with crop rotation, soil fertility, maintenance, seed collection, seed variety, pest control. I mean, it would produce food. And by extension, the wealth of the farmer would need to proceed. But now you have seeds that are patented, you have chemicals that are patented, you have lower yields, and all the, the, the poorer elements of farming. And, and, and in some places where you have crop failures or you have low yields, it's not blamed on the processes of genetic engineering or chemical agriculture, industrial agriculture. It's blamed on climate change. I mean, literally, farming is like what was done to bread in the 20th century. Bread 
we have this idea that bread is bad for us. Bread is not nutritious. Well, most bread's not because most bread is just flour and sugar and water and salt and some other stuff added in, like Wonder Bread. That's not food. But some breads that might be more nutritious, they have a lot of grains in them. That's different than like a Wonder Bread, a white bread, you know, something like that. That yellow, was that like a yellow bag with that girl eating the bread? I don't know. I think it's a girl. Maybe it's a boy. These like really cheap breads. That's not good for you. But there are breads that are good for you. You can make your own too. So it's kind of like bread in the 20th century where bread was manufactured and processed so that it, all the nutrients were stripped out of it. So they had to add back the vitamins and they added synthetic vitamins because they had stripped them out with the initial manufacturing process. And that's what we do with, with crops. We strip the soil of its beneficial qualities and then we add them back synthetically. And even if we add them back synthetically, like synthetic hormones in the body, it does. We, we can't regulate it like it naturally would be regulated. So there are going to be imbalances, and there are going to be problems with the soil and problems with the crop. So even if you do have a crop that might be considered nutritious and thereby definition food, therefore defined as food, it, it, it could be less nutritious than that crop growing in an organic setting. I mean, th- these are not theories. These are well-documented facts. So it's like if you think about all these different elements of food production and the Malthusian idea that if we have more food, then we'll have more people and we want to reduce the population, so we need less food, but we have so much food, we need to do something to prevent people from accessing that food, so we just have artificial scarcity and we have restrictions on the distribution of that food and we have a decadence of certain kinds of foods, cash crops, coffee, tobacco, sugar, things that we really don't need in abundance, but, well, industry wants them and the population tends to want them. So when we start thinking about what what can we do to fix this problem, it's like we always look, well, well, well maybe Trump will address that. Uh, yeah, fat chance. Maybe our congressman will address that. Nah, I don't think so. Try again. Senators? Nah. City council, nope. Local farmers, maybe they've got the right idea. They know what they're doing, most of them. But how about you? Once again, you, you've got the power. If we throw out about half of our food, that's, that's a that's a understatement. I mean, the number is probably much higher. I'd say it's probably 60%, somewhere around there. It's over 50 globally. They say we don't have enough food. Now we got food shortages because of viruses and lockdowns and shutdowns. Well, there's still, even with that, there's still plenty of food. Might just not might not be the food you want to eat, but there's still plenty of food. And if you're talking about just in general how there isn't enough food for people to eat, there's plenty of food. Plenty of I mean, the shrink that I take home from my job is overflowing my refrigerator. I don't have to it's shrink, it's gonna go in compost. That's how much, I'm just saying that's how much food is throwing out at an average grocery store. I mean, we compost it, but a lot of stores just dump it and buy much larger quantities than what we do because we're a really tiny store. That's one of the things I love about my job is I get to take home free produce, zucchini, kale, apples, bananas, whatever. I got bananas in the freezer right now, make some banana ice cream tomorrow night. Uh, So you have an abundance of food and... People are told we have food scarcity and there's too many people on the planet. And it's, it's not true. None of that's true. There, there are, there's too much crowding on the planet. There's plenty of space. 
and there's ownership privately, corporate ownership of water, water resources, big companies like Suez and PepsiCo that own a lot of the water. So that's why some people can't get access to clean water. And then I'm not like anti-business, by the way, but I'm just saying PepsiCo, Suez. Suez controls about 70% of the water domestically in the U.S. PepsiCo just goes into small towns, sucks up the water, and then sells it back to the public for a premium charge. It's criminal. It's a crime against humanity as far as I'm concerned. But you have that for water, and then you have for food, all the things I've, I've, I've explained to you about industrial agricultural farming and the various methods by which we just throw out and waste food. So there's plenty of water, there's plenty of land, there's plenty of food. It's just how we distribute it. And I'm not talking about like, let's redistribute the wealth, let's redistribute the food. No, it's not about redistributing the food. It's about finding ways to preserve what we have. Because if, if we individually, but collectively, would buy food and we would use what we buy and we wouldn't waste as much, we'd probably start eventually not to buy as much because we would obviously we're not using about half of what we buy. So then certain demands you know, from the, the public for certain things would go down. And if demands went down, then the supply would go down. Now, that's not good for people that are making money, but there are certain things that are subsidized, like corn and soy, that we have even more of an excess of because they're subsidized. But a lot of the food on an international level that's given to third world countries and small places like that, it's not because they, they they don't have food. It's because the food that they're growing are usually cash crops, just big food food uh, uh, monoculture farms. And a lot of those countries are able to to remain, I guess you you could say functional, because they've received massive loans from the IMF. And then the IMF says, well, if you want the loan, you have to do this. And part of the stipulation is you have to let, you know, big companies come in and they take resources and they're going to grow food there. Or they're going to grow this or that there. And it'll employ people. It's good for the economy, but not really. It destroys those, even more so, it destroys those, those nations. It destroys those people. Look at the suicides in India, for example. It destroys those places. Also, we can have an overabundance of things that we're just going to throw out in the first place. Now, See, that idea, that attitude is one of those attitudes that most of the time it's accompanied by, well, I hate Western civilization and I hate capitalism. I don't hate Western civilization. I don't hate capitalism because I'm not, I'm not a predatory capitalist. I'm not really a capitalist. It's just like, I guess by the most conservative definition I am, it's like I have a radio show I sell subscriptions to and I sell a book, but it's stuff that I think that is helpful. I know it's helpful to people. So yeah, it's beneficial. Farmers sell food. Bakers sell bread. Pastry chefs sell pastries, sugar, sweets, treats. You know? Stuff people want, people need. You know, a lot of the stuff is stuff we need, not everything. Sometimes that's why we call them treats. We don't necessarily need them. But these are the things that we have an abundance of. So if you really want to make a difference, stop throwing so much food out. I know that's, see, that's why this show, I can't get, I can't get sponsors on this show 
And I know people will say, well, you shouldn't say that. That'll deter people. I don't really care. I think that's the reason. I can't get sponsors because I don't take a political stance. And because ultimately, at the end of every show, the mic drop for the show is it's your responsibility. You take responsibility. You want to solve the problem? Stop throwing out so much food. And I I get it. I don't, I mean, if you'd like to email me, that's great. But I don't need like 100 emails from people saying, well, I don't throw my food out. I'm not blaming you. I mean, I throw probably... A lot of my foods just shrink from work anyway, so I probably throw out like 10-15% of my food because most of it goes bad. It was already going bad. But generally, I just buy what I need and that's it, except for a stockpile of like some cans and some stuff like that. We throw out so much food, if we just save that food, I mean, that solves a lot of the problem, doesn't it? Doesn't that just like fix part? And we don't need to rely on a president. We don't need to rely on political representatives. It just, it solves the problem. Hey, you want to stop the waste of food will stop wasting food. Don't let don't wait for other people to stop, you know, <laughs> to stop wasting food. But that's collective. Not every family does that, of course. Understand that. Not every family does that. Not every family throws out half half of their food. But we 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 see like about a billion plus tons of food wasted globally every year. That's a lot. That's a lot of food. Lots and lots of food. And you go to, you know, countries like, uh, for example, in the 1980s, you had uh, Rwanda. In Rwanda, they had a cash, they had a lot of cash crops of, uh, the main cash crop was coffee. And uh, there was a famine in the 80s. And so the IMF steps in and they offer assistance. But in order to give the money, they said you have to open up domestic markets to the dumping of United States and European grain surpluses. And so the demand to open up the domestic markets to receive those dumped surpluses led to an exacerbation of the problem. And that's what happens in a lot of these countries. Again, there is plenty of food, plenty of food, lots of food, lots of like literally tons, thousands, millions of tons of food. The world is not overcrowded. The world is not overpopulated. The world is overcrowded in some respect, in some regards. The world does not have a food scarcity problem. And we have an abundance of food. And like Malthus suggested, you know, more food, more people, more problems. No, only more problems for people that want to manage the population within one one form of subjective or arbitrary perspective on what the population should be an elitist, hierarchical point of view, where, of course, they that propose these points of view are at the top of that hierarchy. Otherwise, lots of land, lots of water, lots of food, and there's an abundance, an absolute abundance of awareness of this on planet Earth. But there's a force that just keeps chipping and chipping and chipping away at our humanity. And you want to fight back against that. You want solutions to the problem. It might sound cheesy and cliche, but you are the solution to that problem. You are the solution. Just don't throw out as much food. That's pretty much it. It's pretty much that simple. feels really good to be back. So thank you all for joining me tonight. Thank you all for sticking with me while I was moving and getting the studio all set up www.thesecretteachings.info is the website. $35 if you donate it. 
on PayPal. It gets you a one-year subscription to the archive. You can download and stream every show, and you get a free copy of one of my books, which, by the way, my book, Food Philosophy, which talks about some of the stuff we've discussed tonight, it's on the website, free shipping in the U.S. Check it out, rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, and www.thesecretteachings.info. Stay safe, stay informed, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned to The Fringe FM.